Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's how we're going to open the show. We're going to be talking about that. Works for me, man. I'm cool. I'm cool. All right. So we are back. Second time today uh, with Skull Fanatics. So we're back again. I'm back again. Um... Got some breaking news right before the show dropped, but I just want to give another shout-out to Open Locker and Brian Klatsky for jumping on with me today to talk about the Maddie Baddies um, launch that's happening today. I went and looked, because today is their launch. They didn't have any prices or anything before the launch was today. You can get their autographed cards for 29 bucks. So all of, all of them. They're all 29 Whoa. bucks. All of them. Okay. So if you want to get some Connor Seijin, Chucky Hepburn, Chris Hodges, Kamari McGee, Max Klesman, and Jordan Davis, those are the six guys they have under their representation right now. Um, you can get their autographed cards for $29. Um, that link is def- is on the page for us um, if you want to go and find it on there. Now, to the first bit of breaking news we have here is that the Bucks have waived Sandro Mamukulashvili. This happened... Pfft, Two minutes ago, yeah. so right before the show, uh, the Bucks waived Sandro Mamukalashvili. Um, Jake, what are your initial thoughts on it? We haven't really had any time to think about it. So, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, right off, right off the dome, I'm thinking um, he's a young guy. He wants to prove that he can play in this league. He's had very limited opportunities. Um, it's almost like the Serge Ibaka situation, except he's young and he wants to prove that he can, you know, reverse the age. Yeah, just reverse the age. See that. Same thing. He just wants he just wants some playing time, and I'm 100% okay with that. Um, I think I, like he, I think he should have waited till after the year so he could have got a ring, but yeah. Well, I mean, if people are buying out other players and opening up roster spots, I mean, you know, maybe he's trying to um, maybe trying to put a little bit of, of tape out there yeah. and – you know, make it um, make his prospects for the end of next season or the going into the off season, uh, maybe get himself, you know, multi-year deal or something like that, where he can get, you know, like a, like a three year, $11 million deal or something like that to get him some, some playing time. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe some more opportunity. Um, Initially, like I was surprised, you know, came out of nowhere. There wasn't really any rumblings about it. Um, what Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted was that his representation was looking for a release to increase his opportunity. And that's basically kind of what Jake was going on with opportunity yeah. for playing time. Yeah. But it sounds like his representation, Mamu himself, was looking for more playing time or more opportunity. And the Bucks granted that request by waiving him. So that gives him the opportunity to sign anywhere in the NBA. Or if he wants to go play in Europe, he is from Georgia. So it maybe maybe playing in Europe is what he wants to do, and he can go over there and just be a monster like he was in the Eurobasket League in the summer, um, and he just wants to go dominate in Europe. Maybe that's what he wants to do. Um, but wherever he goes, this is going to be a situation just like guys that got traded, just like when we go back to Packers season and Amari Rodgers was cut. 
wish them the best as long as it's not against us. Yeah, and I don't want anybody taking shots at his character because that's not the situation that we're in right now. Right. I, ha- I have no ill will uh, towards him, so um, I wish him the best, like you said. I hope that he dominates. Yeah. What's up, Tim? Just talking about uh, Sandrew Mamukalashvili being waived. And, yes, it's that's important, Jake, that I think that we put that out there, mm-hmm. um, that we're not here to question his character because we don't know that that's an issue. Yes. So it's it's really just a rumor to put that out there, and it's a dangerous one at that because it, he doesn't yeah. deserve that unless we find out that he does. But yeah, to put that out there, you know, it's just irresponsible. So nobody should be questioning Mamu's character. He just wants the opportunity. And with the Bucks being a contender, they're just really not in a position to um, take on a two- or three-year developmental piece. That's just not where they're at in their, in their franchise right now. So, yeah. I'm okay with that. We we've been through that period, Tyler. Yeah. Yes, we have. Yes, I'm okay, I'm okay where we're at. Yes, we have. Yeah, I would much rather be a contender than a developer. Yes. So one of the things that makes the Bucks contenders is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. And there's, and it's mainly because of two the two people, mainly the one that is. In my opinion, one of the things that's like ruined sports media for me is Skip Bayless mm-hmm. and the way that they're handling Giannis going on the Daily Show and making jokes and then being being nice and humble right after by giving guys credit that he was making jokes about. But here's the thing. This is the kind of stuff we need to be talking about. Yeah, I agree. So we have it on the screen. It's a tweet from Drake Bentley, who works at the Journal Sentinel in Milwaukee. It says, according to a public relations rep for the Charles Atenacumpo Family Foundation, Bucks superstar Giannis Atenacumpo will be committing $1 million to mental health services in Milwaukee. That's fucking awesome, dude. This, this guy doesn't get better. <laughs> this should be plastered everywhere. Yes. Like this, you can't ask for anything else from Giannis. He he said it when he talks about on the court and his healing and playing through injuries that he gives everything he has. This man is giving everything he has to Milwaukee. He really is, man. You know, he drops a fifty point point game versus the Clippers. Don't and he he dropped he name drops Culver's Culver's donates fifty four thousand you know boxes of diapers now he's donating one million dollars towards mental health services in Milwaukee like it just it doesn't get any better than Giannis in terms of a superstar in sports today and I will die on that hill he is the greatest superstar in American sports right now I I mean like there's. There's fantastic people out there, no doubt. Like we know, yep. we know with Aaron Jones is a great example. Yep. yep. But the things that Giannis is doing, like it's it's not matched. And here's the thing: if it is matched, it's tragic that not more people know about it. Yeah. Because 100%. this is the shit that should be on ESPN. Yep. This should be a leading story, not Giannis made jokes on the Daily Show. And Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp crucified him for it. Or Aaron Rodgers goes out of his darkness retreat. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm glad my quarterback is still alive. But 
why are we not talking about more stuff like this? I 100% agree with you. That was a great point, buddy. Yeah, Jake, uh, sorry, Isaac, if uh, if you didn't know or didn't uh, figure it out, for those of you who don't know, Charles Denekumbo is Giannis's late father. Yes. Um, so this this um, this foundation is in the name of Giannis's dad. And if you've seen any of Giannis's shoes, he's got it on there. He's, I am my father's legacy. This right here proves that. Mm-hmm. Like, Giannis Tedekumbo is a man of his word. And it's right here. It's proof. Yeah, I want to address Tim's comment here. Tim said, he is a different kind of man, and I hope he never changes. I'll tell you, as long as his mother is in his ear, his mom is right here, and his wife, girlfriend, is right here, Giannis will have a great head on his shoulders. He's not going anywhere. He has great women in his life. Not saying he doesn't have great men. Not saying his brothers aren't great. But every great man has a great woman next to them. His mom and his wife are great women, and they're going to keep his head on straight. Even though, I'm not going to lie, he's starting to get a little cocky. Like, he kissed the sky last night after shooting the three. I was like, hey, bro, you, better, you, you have been out of pocket. He was feeling night. himself last night. We'll, we'll get to that. We're going to start with the Badgers today. But this – this should be a leading story everywhere, and it's only news on Twitter. It should be everywhere. Sadly. All right. So I had to put that out. Now, we're going to start with the Badgers today, as we usually do. Um, and, again, I'll remind people, if you go, you can go on Twitter. You can go on our Twitter page on Wisco Fanatics, and you can see some of the retweets and the links to it. Um, yeah, Isaac said the Daily Show stuff was funny. You can see the links to it on our Twitter page. You can find Maddie Baddies there. It's a new NIL representation for a handful of Badgers players. You can get Badger player cards autographed by Badgers players for 29 bucks. Not a bad deal, man. Connor definitely looks like a, a guy. That's all I'm going to Yeah. Say. And what's cool about it is if you buy it before March 5th, and the Badgers win the Big Ten tourney, you get your money back. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a good deal, then. That's a really good deal. I like that. <laughs> so just okay. another incentive to cheer for the Badgers in the Big Ten tournament. I like it. Like we need it anymore. We're all bad. <laughs> right. You know, just on, on the fact that you should be cheering for the Badgers because that's what we do. Yeah, the Badgers in your wallet at that point. <laughs> right. And, and the thing of it is, is there's, there's still a lot of negativity out there surrounding Badger basketball, and I get it. They've been really up and down, riding the roller coaster. But if you truly believe that the Badgers are just a terrible basketball team, like what, what more could a week and a tournament hurt you to cheer for them? You, you can spend the rest of April, all of May, June, July, August, September, and October complaining about it if that's really how you feel. There's time. You can, you can still cheer that, for him until the season's over. Would not recommend that. Um, you're just stressing yourself out for no reason. But exactly. it, whatever you want to do, I guess. Yeah. And here's the thing. If if you don't think the Badgers are going to make the tournament, right now they're right on the bubble. They're on like the last four in or the first four out with basically everybody's brackets, uh, projections. But here's the thing. You can believe that the chances are zero that they'll make it. But however much you believe that the chances are zero, regardless of how unlikely it is, the chances are still never zero that they don't make the tournament. True. So 
it's going to happen that a team that does exactly what the Badgers do this year makes the tournament. Why not this year? Why not the Badgers? I agree with that. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves because we haven't recapped the games, but they have a really big opportunity over the next two games to really prove some shit. I mean, Michigan's not great. Or, I mean, Michigan. Michigan isn't great. Uh, we should right. have won the game. But uh, Minnesota is not great. And Purdue, obviously, is one of the top teams. So if they could shock the world, beat a Purdue, and then, you know, handle business like they should against a Minnesota team, who knows? Yeah, exactly. And make a little bit of noise in the Big Ten tournament. They don't even have to win the Big Ten tournament. No. Just, just make a couple rounds in yeah. to the Big Ten tournament. I agree. Um, Isaac said, even if they don't make it, doesn't hurt ever to root for the team. And that's the thing. And this is this is an opportunity for Badgers fans to grow their um, their mindsets. Um, <clears throat> and this is the opportunity the Badgers fans have is all of the players on the current roster are eligible to be back next year. Everybody's an underclassman except for Tyler Wall yep. and Jordan Davis. He has the COVID year, right? Right. Tyler Wall has the COVID year, so Tyler could come back. Okay. Um, I thought so. And yeah, and Jordan Davis is a junior, so he'll be back. 100%. Um, Bob said, it's sad that Sandro was waived. Don't know who John Horst has in mind, but they could have kept him with the herd pl for playing time. Uh, it sounds like Mamu's representation wanted him released so that he could try to find NBA playing time. Yeah. Is, is how it sounds um, that the news is floating around, that, that they're looking for NBA playing time for him, not, not G League playing time. So... He's ready for his big boy pants. Yeah. Or or at least to to find out if he's got it or not. My if he'll fill out the big boy pants or not. <laughs> All righty. Let's start with power pair. An underrated performer. Hit me with your Badgers power pair from the Iowa and Michigan games. From the Iowa and Michigan games. Here we go. So, um, I have Connor Sejan. The yep, me too most consistent player on the Badgers this season, in my opinion. And then Tyler Wall, the guy who is, who in my mind is still the best player on this team, can have a great effect on both ends of the court. And when he has the ability to pass the ball, and he had a really, really sick pass in the Michigan game that I'm going to talk yeah, about. Um, when he passes the ball and rebounds the ball like he's been doing over the last two games, mm -hmm. the Badgers are a much better basketball team. We just need a couple more shot makers, and this team is dangerous. It, March Madness is called March Madness for a reason. Right. I didn't want to have to go on this tangent, but I knew I was going to. It's called March Madness because it's madness, right? You don't know who's going to win. Did anybody think of Lehigh or a Florida Gulf Coast? Or, you know, um, I mean, there's just a number. There's a million of them. Loyola, right? Chicago. Loyola, Chicago. I mean, there's a million of them. Who the hell says the Badgers – don't just shoot out of their mind for four or five games and then just end up in, in the chance. Who, who says that? Nobody knows. And I understand and, that you need superstar play. And here's the Tyler thing. Wall has that ability. Here's the thing. It's not, it's not that it's super likely that it's going to happen. What's what we're saying is that it's not impossible for it to happen. Yeah. Just acknowledge the possibility of it. Yeah. That I it's mean, possible. It is. Um, Bob asked, what's your take on UW Panthers coach Bart Lunny being snubbed for Horizon League head coach of the year? 
That's interesting. Um, I didn't see who won it, but I have seen that UW-Milwaukee has played very well. Um, Antoine Davis for Detroit Mercy is an absolute stud. Like, that guy who plays in the Horizon League, he is very good. Um, he said UW-Milwaukee Panthers won 20 games. I'm not super familiar with the entire Horizon League, but I do know that UWM has played very well. Um, UWM is good, and UWGB is freaking horrible this year. Yeah, it's rough. They're one of the worst D1 teams in the nation. Them and IUPUI. Shout out to George mm-hmm. L. Youngstown State head coach one. Yeah, that's – I'd have to look into it more. And and UW Milwaukee is one of those one of those teams that we haven't been able to pay a lot of attention to, um, because it's just I mean right now it's it's time constraints. Um, same thing with Marquette. Like we would love to be covering Marquette as well. It's just one of those things we just haven't really had time to to add back to our coverage, and that's something that as we grow and can potentially implement another show every week that like UWM um, maybe even some, some more Wisconsin sports, whether it be hockey or women's basketball or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Wisconsin volleyball. That's another, another great example. Um, Things that we'd love to add in the future to our coverage, to be able to talk about more Wisconsin sports. So hopefully every one of our followers sends us a thousand (laughs) dollars every day. (laughs) <laughs> Milwaukee Wave, yeah, Milwaukee Wave and the Admirals, also perfect examples. Um, the Milwaukee Admirals are something that were their colors were incorporated in our original logo because that was something we wanted to be able to grow and be able to talk about. It's just um, with full time jobs, two shows a week. Um, we're trying, we're trying. <laughs> um, hopefully, in the future, we can get to a point where we can do maybe three shows a week and have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be would be awesome and be able to add some more stuff. And then, who knows? Maybe someday in the in the distant future, we'll be doing shows every single day. So that's that's the hope. That's uh, that's the growth it. that we get there. Bob is here for it. Wants you to cover the hockey badminton team. <laughs> hey Isaac, if again what Jake said stands, if all of our followers send us a thousand dollars, we'll cover the Milwaukee badminton team, and well, we'll cover Drew Brees' pickleball team. Well, maybe maybe we can cover the Clippers for Isaac, so he has something to pay. Attention. Oh, touche! <laughs> yeah, I mean we we'll cover him every time Giannis drops fifty on him. We could do that. That's yeah that's fun for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure James would appreciate us covering Drew Brees' pickleball team. I'm sure he would. We're not, <laughs> we're not gonna cover the goddamn Celtics, though. I'll tell you that. Screw not it. unless they're losing in six to the Bucks, which they will be in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Pretty soon, soon enough, buddy. <laughs> All right, so. Back to Tyler Wall, now that we've gotten away on a tangent here. Um, I'll say Tyler Wall, he's got the capability to, like, maybe he can fuck around and drop a triple-double. He's got the ability, whether it happens or not is a different story, True, but he's got the capability. He's got the skills for it. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to give on Tyler Wall before you went on your rant? Um. No, he just he just played well. He averaged he averaged a double double this week, ten and a half, twelve and a half rebounds. Um, he shot forty seven percent, so that's that's pretty solid too for yep. a, a guy that you know is a little bit undersized. Maybe not in college, but he's not like super sized or super long right. or anything like that. He right. he's about average. I think he's below average for power forward, but he gets it done down low. 
I really just wish he had a mid-range game because then he would absolutely kill people. Right. Um, but other than that, he played great. Um, my underrated performer, real quick, not to take up too much time, was uh, was Max Him Klesmit. Um, he every once in a while he just has a game, and he had a really really good game against Michigan. Uh, Nineteen points, two rebounds, one assist. He shot the hell out of the basketball, and he did not go. You know, he was not scared of adversity. The brights were not too light for him. And that's the one thing that you could tell about Max is he is he he he's not afraid of a challenge, and I love that about him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely love that about him. He steps up when when there's a big challenge. You could tell the same thing with Connor. Connor doesn't really really shy away from the bright lights. Yeah. Whereas I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a little disappointed in Chucky. Every once in a while, it feels like Chucky feels the he feels more pressure on offense than he does defense. He's more of a defensive minded guy. Yeah, I think in the offseason. He has to work a little bit more on his playmaking. Sure. So once he once he figures out how to be a little bit more playmaker, and people are, are looking for that, then his shot will come easier. That's yeah. what I think the next level to him is. So, I mean, we'll get to that when we do our primer a long, long time from now. But yeah. that is that is my picks this week. On your point about Chucky Hepper, and I do think that the confidence level affects that. Yeah. Uh, I do think he's a much more confident defensive player than he is a, an offensive player. And he's got he's got game on offense. Like there's no denying that. It's just I don't think he's quite as confident in that level and that aspect of his game. I can agree with that. Okay, so I had the same two power pair players. Um, you mentioned a lot of good stuff with Tyler Wall. The thing with Connor Sejan, he averaged 20.5 points and four rebounds over the two games. He is on pace to be the first Badgers freshman to lead the team in scoring since 1996. It's a long time ago. <laughs> yes, that's almost as long as you and I have been here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my knees are creaking. So yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> um, I did go with a different underrated performer. I went with Stephen Crowell. He did get in some foul trouble against Iowa, but he did finish that game four or five from the field, and he was six of twelve from the field against Michigan. Um, including two of three from three, which is something that we've been looking to see him bounce back on. So a good shooting week from Stephen Crowell, even though he dealt with some foul trouble issues. So I went with him as my underrated performer. Um, Isaac said, I get the confidence, but sometimes Chucky's hero ball at the end of games is costly. And that's that could be a, a confidence thing. Like, I get that he's, you know, um, you know, he's the guy, he's the go-to guy in those situations, or he has been um, up until Connor and Sejan got the last shot. Um, what game was that? That him and Chucky were both struggling shooting, and Connor got the last shot. God damn it! I don't just oh look. Was that Rutgers? Rutgers. Oh. Yep. Yep. Ah, I knew it. Um. Yeah. Chucky got the la- or Connor got the last shot against Rutgers, but um, you know, it's it comes down to shooting with confidence. So, you know, those last shots, you know, you obviously want to get good shots because then it's, you know, it's easier to be confident that it's going to go in when you have a good look at it. But um, I do think that that confidence is a factor. So let's start with the Iowa game. And what stood out to you from this game? Well, the first thing that stood out to me is when they showed the Iowa splits from home and road and they showed how awful Iowa is on the road. Yikes. And this is really ironic that I'm bringing this up now because they've just played Indiana in Indiana and absolutely smacked the living. Speaking of blowing kisses to crowds. Dude, they 
they whooped the hell out of Indiana in Indiana. Uh, oh, yeah. Tough place to play. Yeah. So before I get into anything further, Fran McCaffrey, my God, dude. Oh, man. I, I posted this on Twitter. I'm glad you brought it up because I posted it on Twitter. Like, Badgers fans have had their complaints about Greg Gar, but thank God we don't have fucking Fran McCaffrey as our my coach. My goodness. And I do not remember the name of the person that said it, but they commented, uh, they shared the video too, and they said, how as a parent can you – and this, I'm referring to his, the incident that happened between Iowa and Michigan State where he's literally just staring down the ref like, bro, do you understand – that you look like my great grandfather, like the, I'm not scared of you, dude. And you know they, they just get closer and closer together, and it and it was like cringy, awkward. It time. was, it was awkward. I was kind of watching it like, like I'm waiting for something to happen, right? And nothing happens. And anyways, the guy he commented and he said, "How can you watch this situation and be comfortable with him teaching?" Your son, you know, who's a boy basically at 18, you're not a man at 18, to turn him into a man. How can you feel okay with him being responsible for your son for four years? Because to me, you know, when I get to that age uh, with with Aiden, when Aiden gets to that age, I mean, um, and he's making a decision and say I was looking at him and Fran is still there, that's a hell fucking nod for me. Not even even because of the rivalry aspect. Like, if they're strictly the biggest school that's looking at him, I'm not doing that because I need to know that Aiden's going to have a leader in his life to teach him how to, you know, to grow and be a man. I would send my kid to a D2 school before I sent him to Fran McCaffrey. 100%. He's become nothing but a social media meme. 100%. What's your take? Oh, Shauna said, what's your take about if Chucky can't play, who takes his place? Wow. Man, that's tough. Tyler knows this answer. We, you just made a meme about it. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll address the same two comments. Isaac, he said he became nothing but a social media meme, and that's that's basically what it is. Like, you put a screen door in front of Fran McCaffrey, and it looks like he's about to yell at the ref to get off his lawn. Yeah. Um, and Shauna, if Chucky can't play, who takes his place? I think it's Kamari McGee. Um going to be about committee but Kamar McGee right right and the two guys the other guy who I think would be in line for more playing time would probably be Isaac Lindsay yeah um I think that's he'd true. probably get a bump in playing time Max Klesman might get a little bit of playing time he's not he's not what I would call a strong ball handler but I just think when it comes to distributing Chucky's minutes I do think Max will probably take some more minutes um Jordan Davis would probably get a bump in minutes and basically, Kamari McGee would be your starting point guard, and Isaac Lindsay would probably be your backup point guard. We'd be thin. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, be very thin. But it's a good uh, question. We didn't. Yeah, it is I probably would have mentioned it when we get into what's next. But yeah, go ahead. I will uh, get back to this Iowa Wisconsin game. Wisconsin was getting a lot of good shots. That's just, that's that's the first thing that I saw. Um, Tyler Wall was absolutely everywhere. Obviously, he ended with 14 rebounds. Um, he, and like I said, like we said before, he had two double doubles this week. So the first of his two double doubles, Iowa shot the ball horribly. I think that was a combination of, you know, they, they were bad on the road and the Badgers defense is very tough, especially at home. Um, they only, I only had eight assists for the whole game. Not, not that the Badgers blew him out of the water with 11, but 
Eight assists to seven turnovers. That ain't it. Um, they only had 30 rebounds. You get out rebounded by the Badgers. That's pretty bad because the Badgers don't rebound the ball super well. And they shot three of 28 from three. So that's that's <laughs> pretty fucking bad. Um, you add all that stuff together, and you're like, all right, well, and and I want to say this. Iowa was actually getting good looks at three-pointers, too. Especially yes, they were. In the first half, they were getting really, really good looks. They just weren't falling. Um, nope. But you look at three of 28, and you're like, ooh. You look at four of 18, you're like, eh? Eh? <laughs> when compared to three to tw- three to tw- three for 28, I mean, eh? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it could clearly be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. So the Badgers played really, really good defense in this game. This was the old-school Badgers win. We're going to hold them. We're going to make them shoot shots at their – we're going to make them as uncomfortable as possible. We're going to run our offense. We're going to get good shots, and eventually the offense is just going to catch on, and we're going to win this game, and that's exactly what happened. Also, Iowa fans are gigantic babies. I don't know if you heard this. What the hell is the name of that podcast that uh, Douchebag went on? Oh, I mean Scumbag. Sorry. What yeah, we'll get that to podcast? that. I don't remember what the podcast was, but uh, – It's like round ball or something. Iowa, uh, freaking McCaffrey's son went on there, and he talked, and he actually, I, I watched the whole video, he talked about Wisconsin too. He brought up Wisconsin as well, and he said, they just do stuff that, like, you wouldn't do in pickup. And I'm like, my God, you sound like a whiny bitch right now. So What does it even mean? Like, scratching and clawing, I guess, fighting for rebounds? I don't know. But literally after I watched that, you know what play happened right after that? I forgot the point guard's name, number three on Iowa. Um, but he was trying to guard Tyler Wall, and there was the play where he flopped, where yeah. Tyler Wall did a spin move. Was it Perkins? That's his name, Perkins. I literally took that video, I shared it, and I said, you wouldn't do that in pickup. <laughs> <laughs> you just sound like a whiny bitch saying that, dude. Like, come on, man. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was like. What does that even mean? You wouldn't do that in pickup. Like that's. It's not. We're not playing pickup basketball. We're playing college basketball, dude. I wanted to say. I wanted to be like. Are you really comparing D one college basketball to basketball at the Y? Is that what you're talking about right now? Is that what you're talking about? Because it's not even not even close to the same thing. Talking about just showing up to the park versus Illinois or Iowa and Wisconsin. Just showing up to play on some blacktop with millions nine other dudes you've never involved. met. Coaches are getting paid millions. Universities oh are God. making tons and tons of money selling merchandise. That's your comparison. You are a fucking idiot, just like your father. Sorry. Yeah, that's – and that's – oh, God. Like, I hate to say it, but, that, like, that's probably where the influence is there. Not shocking, but – Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> Ugh, cringy. It's so, oh my God, it's so cringy. All right. So, Badgers got off to kind of a weird start. Um, Stephen Crowell did have a great post-up move to start this game, working some footwork. He's getting a little bit of that Tyler Wall footwork going for him. Um, Tyler Wall, despite having a very good game, did get off to a pretty rough start. He had a couple early turnovers. Um, And, you know, it's just something that needs to be just a little bit more uh, mentally focused. Um, Tyler Wall had a turnover on an inbounds after a made basket that led just directly to another layup for Iowa. Um, the very next possession, um, they brought Stephen Crowell down to set a screen to get the guy open so that that wouldn't happen again. 
Then Stephen Crowell gets one of the more puzzling offensive foul calls that I've seen. Even the announcers, which one of them was a former Purdue basketball player, Robbie Hummel, says, yeah, that should be a no call. Like, Stephen Crowell didn't lower his shoulder. He didn't trip or anything. He didn't do anything that was excessive contact. He's literally just backing down, and the dude just fell over. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, yeah, textbook no call in my opinion. Um, but that still counts as a turnover. So the Badgers had five turnovers in the first four and a half minutes of the game. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> um, Carter Gilmore, his first three, it was halfway down and popped out. So that's just a bummer for Carter Gilmore. I'd like to see some shots go in for him. Um, the broadcast did give him some love on his defense. So I was happy to hear that because we've done that on the show a bunch of times this season is give Connor, uh, Carter Gilmore some credit for his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Badgers forced a shot clock violation that became Iowa's first turnover. That was how Iowa got their first turnover, was a shot clock violation forced by the Badgers. So you brought up that it's not just Iowa shooting poorly on the road. It is also that the Badgers' defense makes a difference. 100%. Um, Connor Seijin is showing some flashes of improved one-on-one defense. It's not... You know, it's not 100% there yet, and he's a freshman, so I like I wouldn't expect him to come in and be perfect. Um, but it is improving, which is the encouragement, like the encouraging thing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Badgers got that shot clock violation, Tyler Wall followed that with a behind-the-back drive. Um, took two dribbles, dribble behind his back, back to the left hand. That's the decisiveness that we've seen in the games where he succeeds that's the decisiveness that we want to see instead of the the back down dribbles and, you know, putting up a hook shot where he's barely looking at the hoop. That decisiveness where he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to get here, and I'm going to score. Like, that's the decisiveness from Tyler Wall that I want to see more of. That's where he succeeds, and that's where he has the 16-point the game that he had against Penn State. Like, those are the types of things that I want to see from Tyler Wall. Um Marcus Ilver hit a nice back-to-the-back jumper that he had to put up right before the shot clock expired, so he hit a nice jump shot, so I want to give him give him a little shout-out for that. Um, oh, man. Tyler Wall, he made you, – you brought up that he made some really good passes. He made a pass. It was from the top of the, of the key, right outside the three-point line, and it was to a cutting Kamari McGee. It was – Basically like a screen and, and handoff, but instead of handing it off, Tyler Wall kept the ball, and Kamari McGee came open as he was going towards the basket. Tyler Wall hit him with a great bounce pass, went right off his hand and out of bounds. Mm-hmm. That's That's got to be a caught ball and a layup. The back door is open this year. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Very next possession, they ran the same play with Connor Asijin. Connor Asijin caught the ball and laid it in. It's been open all year. Connor, Connor's been open a fucking billion times. True. So we get into uh, a little bit of Chucky Hepburn. He started driving to the basket a lot. He didn't shoot very well from three, but he was driving to the basket a lot. And first time, he gets an assist to Connor Asijin. Second time, he gets a layup. And then the third time, Johnny, da- or Johnny Davis. Ooh, haven't said that in a while. <laughs> Jordan Davis. Sorry. Uh, got a drive and hit a floater off the glass. So I don't know if it's if it's Max Klesmit, if it's Chucky Hepburn, if it's Connor Asijin, or if it's Greg Gard 
that is getting more Badger players to attack the basket, but it is working. Yes. So, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that several Badgers players are all doing the same thing at the same time and it's going well. I mean, you can just take the Bucks for example. Um, the number of players that can dribble, drive, and break down a defense is an endless list. And we were calling for it for weeks with the Badgers. Like, nope. we don't have enough people that break down the defense. You're not going to get open jumpers just passing the ball around, throwing it in the post, throwing it back out. Like, eventually, you're, you're not going to break down the defense all the time. They will stay sound. You need people to dribble and get into the middle, the, the yep. soft spot of that defense, and really break it down. And yep. obviously, the offense has been better, in my opinion. Been a little bit I more agree. smooth. Yeah, I agree. And the movement has been better as well. Like, it's at times where there's still, you know, a couple guys were kind of running into each other a little bit or um, some not so even spacing. So it's not perfect, but it has been better. It's been I better. agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Second half, well, I should right before the second half. Wisconsin had eight turnovers in the first half and still took a one-point lead into halftime. That's obviously not a great place you want to be. Um, And also, Stephen Crowell only played five minutes in the first half dealing with foul trouble. Yeah. So, Connors, or uh, not Connor, Carter Gilmore, Tyler Wall, and Marcus Ilver for a little bit of stretches held down the defense while Stephen Crowell was dealing with foul trouble. So, I want to give them credit for that. Second half, Stephen Crowell, just like the first half, opens up the half with a great post move and gets a score right away. Um, then ran a great pick and roll with Connor Asijin that got him a dunk and then ran a great pick and roll with Chucky Hepburn that got him a dunk. Stephen Crowell is is a very capable basketball player when he's doing doing the things that he needs to do. And it's it sounds it sounds dumb saying it that way. But Stephen Kroll, it has the capability, and it's right here, the beginning of this half, to be a very good basketball player. So, you know, we talk about Connor Siegen and, and Chucky Hepburn being reasons to be excited for this program, but don't don't lose Stephen Crowell in this mix. He's only a sophomore. Very true. So don't lose Stephen Crowell in the mix of players who will continue to get better as they grow. So I wanted to give him give him a little bit of a shout out. Um Chris Murray didn't score until the 16.05 mark of the second half. Bro, he shot a three-pointer and clanked that shit in the second half. I was like, that man is uncomfortable. <laughs> that's that's Badger defense right there. You take their best player and you just say, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing shit tonight, buddy. Sorry. And he didn't. 16.05 mark of the second half before he scored. Jordan Davis played some very good defense on him. He did. Um, Connor Asijin and Max Klesman hit back-to-back corner threes. Chucky Hepburn hit another one to make it three threes in a row for the Badgers. Um, Iowa was up 41-40, to and the Badgers went on a 19-6 to run. In my mind, that is arguably their most dominant stretch, sustained stretch of two-way basketball this entire season. I don't think there's an argument. I agree with you. To go 19 to 6 and now on a team that just beat Indiana. Badgers a lot of times this year have uh been on the wrong end of of long scoring stretches. Yeah. They have. 
Um, Connor Seijin finished with 17 points and five rebounds. Chucky Hepburn had 12, five assists and four rebounds. And Tyler Wall, like you said, had that double double. Really, probably one of the best Badgers wins we've had this season. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's good to see them get a double digit win. Um, and now we got to talk about it. Obviously, let's let's go to the Michigan game. And and what stood out from you? And we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the end of the game situation after we talk about the rest of the game. I don't even know how to start this conversation. <laughs> um, this loss really hurt, man. Um, just to just get to the point, this one. If they would have won this one, I'm just going to play hypothetical. If they would have won this game, say they lost to Purdue and they would have beat Minnesota. I firmly believe that a win at Michigan, even though Michigan's been up and down there on the bubble as well, hmm. I think a win at Michigan and a win against Minnesota, winning three of their last four, I think that would have been enough to put them in the tournament alone. Now I think that they have to win the last two. If they win the last two, it don't even matter what they do in the big tournament. I think if they win yep. the next two, they're in for sure. Right. But they played well enough to win this game. Um, right. the, the defense wasn't as fantastic as it was against Iowa. I didn't think that it would be because the defense they played against Iowa was fucking elite. Like, let's just call it what it is. Right. <laughs> and the defense they played against Michigan was still very good, very high level defense mm-hmm. basketball, but Michigan has some shot makers, man. Michigan has a better team than Iowa on paper. In my opinion, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that they're better on paper. Um, I think Iowa might be a little deeper. God, here's here's a freaking question that just popped in my head. Whose coach do you hate more, Iowa or Michigan? Honestly, it's probably Iowa. Really? So, here's the thing. Okay. At the end of the day, like, Jawan Howard might be a dick, but at least it's because of competitive nature. That's fair. Fran McCaffrey might be a dick just because he's a terrible person. That's also fair. That is a very good point. Um, if anybody wants to play along. <laughs> if you want to play along with the who's a bigger dick, Jawan Howard or Fran McCaffrey again. Which coach do you just like more? Fran McCaffrey <laughs> or Jawan Advocates for, for mental health and positivity question, which head coach is a bigger dick, Fran McCaffrey or Jawan Howard? <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. Oh, shit. I guess the one thing that I will say is our home and road splits have also not been great. Uh, we we didn't shoot the ball particularly well in either game, so I can't really use it this week as an example. But for the entirety of the season, uh, I mean, you can look at, at field goal percentage. We shot 52% versus Iowa, and we only shot 43% versus, versus Michigan. That's a big disparity. Um, again, we didn't rebound the ball very well. I still think that we should be crashing the offensive boards. Um, and we don't have a ton of playmakers and that hurts us on the road, but Max Klesman was a fucking man amongst boys. This game, Mm -hmm. he was not afraid of the bright lights. He was going at it. Connor didn't have the greatest shooting game, but he still drops 24 in this game. The thing that really pisses me off and I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the rest of my argument till we get to the rest of the rest of the end of this game, but mm. it couldn't have been a bigger douchebag that made the game time. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to yeah. leave you at the floor, and then we're going to debate after it. 
we'll we'll talk about some specific instances as well too because like i don't want to like have the game be strictly about the person but the badgers started pretty solid offensively all five players had all five starters had scored in the first five minutes and 14 seconds Mm -hmm. and then um Carter Gilmore um, had a really good seal uh, after a switch, had a smaller man on him, had a good seal. He became the sixth player to score uh, just a couple minutes into the game. Um, the Badgers built an eight-point lead, 17-9. to Michigan went on a 7-0 run. Um, Stephen Crowell hit a three, and then they went nearly four minutes without scoring, and Michigan went on a 17-3 to run in that stretch. Yeah. So this is a situation where like, yes, the Badgers lost a game they could have won. They also lost a game they could have gotten blown out in. Very true. They were down 11 in the first half. Um, Max Klesman hit a big three before the half. Michigan still ended the first half on a 26-10 to 10 run. Get into the second half. Connor Sejan, like I said, he's doing really well, I think, the last four or five games at getting closer to the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely good for his development for him to add that to his game and not just be put in a box as a three-point shooter that gives him that ability where you know a team can't just sell out to jump and try to block his three-point shot but you have to close out you know with with your hands your hands up and your feet down because you need to close out because the threat of him driving to the basket is almost as dangerous as him shooting the three-pointer yeah a, cl- a controlled closeout i would say right so that's good for Connor Seaton's development to see him getting better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan had their lead back to 10 after Chucky Hepburn got that flagrant foul. It's inadvertent, but he did hit him in the face. So that is a flagrant foul. Um, mm-hmm. It is what it is. It happens. Um, you know, it, like I said, it happens. Um, a couple plays later, Chucky Hepburn, it just looked like he kind of twisted his knee weird. Um, maybe it was just a weird cut. He just planted weird. Uh, and then he was grabbing his knee. He didn't come back into the game after that. And um, it's been what I've heard is an ankle injury, not a knee injury. So basically just call it like it, it's a lower body injury for Chucky Hepburn, whatever it ends up being. Um, Greg Gard has not made any concrete um, like news on this. So we don't know what his playing status is for Purdue tomorrow night. Um, but Shauna did ask us the question of who plays in his place if he can't go. And it's probably Kamari McGee to start in his place and Isaac Lindsay to back him up at point guard. Mm-hmm. With Without Chucky Hepburn, it's tough defending. Um, it's tough defending in the first place. Like Hunter Dickinson is a dick, but he's still big. Yeah, he's massive. And, and Carter Gilmore at 6'9 is just a little bit too small to be able to guard Dickinson. He did well the first matchup, pushing him around and, um, you know, having good positioning. But he's, you know, Dickinson's just a little bit too big for Carter Gilmore. And it's it's not Carter Gilmore's fault. It's just the Badgers just don't have, like, a bruising center this year like they had with Chris Vogt last year. And they could definitely use it tomorrow night, a guy like Chris Vogt going against Zach Eady. But that's, you know, we're here. It's going to be tough. Yeah, He's but big. it's one of those things where, like, if the Badgers win that game, it's just that much sweeter. Yeah, I agree. We're gonna have to shoot the ball really well. Yes. Um, Max Klesman not once but twice hit a pump fake sidestep dribble three point shot. He did it twice in the second half. 
The second one cut Michigan's lead to two points. Yes. Um, Stephen Crowell had a move on Hunter Dickinson. He took a bump from him in the middle of the lane, still hit the left-handed jump hook over him. So Stephen Crowell showing off a little bit of a little bit of toughness there. Um, Tyler Wall threw a behind-the-back pass to Stephen Crowell that tied the game at 57. It felt like the batters were building some momentum there. Um, Max Klesmit, if you saw the reel that we posted, had a great move to drive to the lane, spin like he was going to shoot a, a fadeaway in the middle of the lane, spun back, and got a left-handed layup. Just a fantastic move by Max Klesmit to score that game um, to give the Badgers a two-point lead. Um, and then hit a three after Michigan had tied the game to give the Badgers a three-point lead. And two clutch defensive stops by Max Klesman. So in the stretch of about, I don't know, four minutes or so, five points and two blocks for Max Klesman. So that's Dude. that's good stuff. That's great stuff blocks, from Max Klesman. Um, and here's where we get into it. So... Greg Gard said that the Badgers were trying to foul on the initial possession by Michigan. So this was when there was 8.9 seconds left. That's when they were trying to get a foul. Kamari McGee was just too far behind his man to really get the foul call. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Klesman made the block on the corner three. Now here's the thing: what do you what do you do in that 2.1 seconds? What's your opinion? Like, where? What's what's your thought strategy on that that two minute, not two minute, two second interval there? Like, what do you try to do there? So obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, correct? Absolutely. So for me, if you're Jordan Davis and there's still that contested catch, right? You know, no. the, the pass was was errant anyways. So he's gonna have right. to catch it like that anyways. Right. I let him catch that. Yep. He's gonna have to come down. You know, because he's catching with one hand. Right. That's when I foul. Because okay. as soon as he touches the ball, that clock starts. Right. So then, you know, you're going to that. You're getting at least a second off. Right. Right. If you let him come down and catch the ball, you're getting at least a second off the clock. Yeah. So now you're at 1.1 seconds. Right. So now you need a make and a miss to yep. tie the game. That's what I would have done. I would have let him catch it, come down with it. And he didn't even, like I said, he didn't catch it clean. So with right. me watching that and watching him catch it clean, once Davis, you know, and I'm not, you know, discouraged, you know, because you, you never fault effort, right? That's what we right. talk about all the time. Right. That's just an unwritten rule in sports. You never fault effort. I love his effort. I love his intensity trying to yeah. get that ball. But in that situation, if I'm the coach, and I don't believe – did we have one timeout left? I'm not I sure think, off the top of my I head. Think we did, I think we did have a timeout left. If that if that would have been the situation, I would have called timeout and I would have explained sure. that exactly exactly what I wanted. Right. Contest heavy, nothing to the back. Like if it, like if they go to the basket, let them go to the fucking basket. Yep, let them go to the basket. Let yep. them go to the basket. Give no up a layup. Plays, no stupid fouls. That's what I would have done. No no stupid like while they're shooting fouls. If they shoot it, like, right. Let them go. But like heavy contest and let them go to the rim, dude. Like run them off the right. line. I would have followed him after he went to the ground. There's at least a second off the clock. And like I said, you're at about a 98% chance of winning that game at that point. It is what it is. He made the shot, miraculous shot. And sometimes those go in and he got a highlight and he got a win. But the likelihood of that happening is very small. Right. And and that's that's the thing. So 
in my mind, I'm I'm in a slightly different camp, and I also want to play devil's advocate on your point. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I don't want to foul in that really small window, just on the chance because you know when he's catching the ball that he's going to be shooting. So I I wouldn't want to get a foul there that gives Hunter Dickinson three free throws. That's my main concern is Hunter Dickinson catching the ball and getting three free throws. That would be my main concern. So, like, to your point, I agree with you on calling the timeout. And in that timeout, I say, hey, like you said, let them go to the basket. Let them get two points. Two points doesn't help them in two seconds. But what I would say is, and this is, and I, like you said, like you don't fault effort, and I don't, and I'm not blaming Jordan Davis for this. But you don't say, hey, unless you're 100% positive that you can get the steal, let him catch it and and put your hands in his face. Make it as tough of a shot as possible because, in my opinion, I think the likelihood of him making a 40-foot contested heave three-pointer is lower than him making three free throws. And to the devil's advocate point, to your point on meeting a make and a miss, I think it's more likely that Michigan gets a chance at a make, a miss, and a tip-in than it is that Hunter Dickinson makes that shot if it's contested. And here's the reason. Michigan has some big bodies on their team. You brought up just a couple of minutes ago that the Badgers aren't the best rebounding team. And here's the thing. We've seen it twice on a tip-in rebound affect the outcome of a game in the last second with the Badgers this season. The Badgers have won one and lost one on that exact thing. They lost to Kansas on a rebounding shot in the last second being tipped in. And they beat Marquette doing the same thing. It's fair. I think I think the Kansas one is a little bit outlier because it was still really early in Connor's career, and he was the mm-hmm. one responsible for boxing him out. Well, and it was an air ball too, so like yeah, you know, so, it, it, it's a tough thing. But I'm just saying, veteran play. Th- that's happened twice. That's true. That's the nature of the Badgers, though. They play a lot of close games. Yeah, that's that's yeah, miles. that's that's true. But yeah, like I said, I mean, taking Hunter Dickinson shooting a contested forty foot shot versus three free throws or needing a make and a miss and a tip in, like I'll I'll take the contested three. The fact that he made it is just super annoying. And here's the thing. Like, this is this is the thing we need to talk about. And I saw Michigan fans acting like it wasn't intentional. That he tried to stomp on Tyler Wall. He clearly tried to stomp on Tyler And he tried to kick him afterwards. And he, yes, and he, like, tried to sweep the leg after he fell. Like, really, bro? I don't know how you can defend it and I said this must be in a Michigan thing to go full and Dominican Sue and clearly try to stomp on him. Clearly. You don't do a high knee to the chest because you're running. Nobody runs like that in a game. And I saw somebody say Tyler Wall fell over and and that made him fall over. Okay. I've seen a lot of people fall. And, like, I get it, like, if he was trying to actually step over. But, like, when I fall and I see something below me, I try to move my foot away from the thing that's under my foot. Yeah, I don't know about everybody else, 
but I usually don't try to step on something when I'm falling. Especially if to, it's a fucking person. I try to step on a level, you know, level ground so I can regain my balance, not try to stomp on a human being like you just said. Like, what the fuck, man? For him to be the person that threw the first stone by calling Wisconsin scumbags and then to go do some shit like that, like, really? Yeah, that's really? Some that's some bullshit for sure. Let's say you're in a position where Hunter Dickinson might actually get drafted. hes I don't think he's going to, but let's say there's some teams in the 55 to 60 range looking at Hunter Dickinson, and they say, we got this guy and Hunter Dickinson. Who should we pick? And then you start bringing in fringe things that affect your drafts, like character. And you go, oh, this guy called a team a bunch of scumbags and then tried to stomp on that same team. Yeah. Like, like not like, like, literally, like, l- the legitimate term of stomp on somebody. Yeah. Not, like, figuratively, like, beat their ass, like, in the scoring, you know. No, yeah. Literally, like, raise his knee and push his leg down to stomp on somebody. Man, he put power behind that, too. God damn. And then, like you said, after he fell kicked his other leg that if somebody would have been standing there, he would have kicked them too. I or if either wall would have rolled over, he would have kicked them. I wish it would have been a ref. I really wish it would have been a ref. Like, not that I'm, like, cheering for injury or anything like that, but just so he could get caught being a douche, you know? Yeah. No, oh, he got caught in 4K. Like, we, we saw it happen. <sighs> well, everybody but Michigan fans, apparently. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, remember they tried to defend Juwan Howard saying that the Badgers said something to him first and that's what made him swing. Yeah, I didn't slap our assistant coach in the head. Yeah. yeah. I mean. All right. So overtime, it's the Badgers' sixth overtime game. Uh, Michigan, to their credit, were hitting their cross-court threes. Um, yeah. Badgers were doubling in the post and Michigan was swinging the ball across quickly and they were making those three-pointers. Um, Wisconsin's shot selection got a little iffy in overtime and they just kind of ran out of juice. It didn't look like necessarily they ran out of energy, but they ran out of juice. And there's a difference. It's like, it's like the mojo of the game. The Badgers, they just kind of ran out and you know, it's tough, but that's, that's what happens when you're not quite a super deep team. Um, those overtime games, those are heavy. I agree. Um, you mentioned Connor Asijan finished with 24 points and the three rebounds. Max Klesman had his Badger high with 19 points. Uh, two rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Stephen Crowell had 14 points, six rebounds, and three assists. And Tyler Wall, another double-double, 10 points and 11 rebounds. Um, where we're at with the Badgers, they play Purdue tomorrow night, and they play at Minnesota on Sunday. I'm going to say a 2-0 and week because the Badgers can't settle for anything less. That's where uh, I'm at with the Badgers. I'm just going to tell you, both games are on uh, FS1 as well. Uh, because the Badgers are basically fighting for their lives, uh, as Tyler just said. I'm also going to go with a 2-0 week. We're going to shock the world tomorrow night. We're going to beat Purdue. Uh, we're going to be doubling Edie. Uh, the guards for Purdue are going to struggle to shoot. Uh, Klesman and Connor are going to come out, be freaking on fire, both of them, because we need it. And uh, the time is now. Uh, pe- people, yeah. Badgers fans are always, always, you know, complaining, complaining, complaining. It's like, you guys are going to understand that, like, as a competitor, like just me personally, like as a competitor, I would fucking love an opportunity to be on that court, dude. Just yeah. for the opportunity absolutely. that is presented, man. Like absolutely, it, it's do or die, man. Like like if that doesn't get the damn juices going, like if this team is not jacked up and ready to play, like this is our lives on the line. Like 
I don't know what to tell you. You got no heart. You got no soul. But like, this is as a competitor. This is what you fucking live for. So like, I, I'm ready, bro. I'm ready. Absolutely. For and I hope they're ready. Absolutely. And I and I love that. And that's something that um, with the Maddie Baddies thing that they they've prioritized that teamwork aspect of it. And that's something that Connor Seijin actually talked about when he was on a radio show the other day. Uh, was that teamwork aspect and that camaraderie that they have and the chemistry, like that's what's going to show tomorrow. If you're talking about Zach Eady versus the Wisconsin Badgers, that's what we're talking about. So seeing guys flying around tomorrow, um, like you said, it's it would be awesome to be on the court for it, and I strongly agree with you. Um, that's where you're, you know, your back's against the wall, and it's it's time to go prove that you are a competitor. It's time. This is why you lace them up, right? Absolutely. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so we both got 2-0 weeks. And again, if you don't believe that the Badgers are capable of going 2-0, you don't have to believe in it to support it. Because the chances might not be great that it happens, because Purdue is ranked number five in the country, but the chances aren't zero. And Zach Eady is one of the best players in the country. Like, Let's right. not tiptoe around that. He's, first of all, a gigantic human being. <laughs> what is he seven four, right? I believe he's, he's seven foot four. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He's he's seven and really, really extra tall, right? And even Steven Crowell, who's the biggest player on our team, is going to look like a child next to him. Right. One on one. But if Crowell can step up, and that's a big if, and I don't like playing ass because you know it's it's such a such a you know, it's crazy to to, to play ifs in, in sports. It, yeah, it's not an exact but, science. But if he can play defense and play some one-on-one defense for a couple possessions, because I think we're going to have to double them. Right. If he can play some one-on-one defense and really just lock down, that'll go really, really far to telling how this game is going to play out. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing you mentioned with Stephen Crowell, um, look for the Badgers to maybe try to get Zach Eady in some foul trouble. That would be nice. Uh, both games are at home, I believe, which is... No, they're at Minnesota. They're at Minnesota. That's right. We played them at home already. Yep, Purdue uh, at home at Minnesota. Purdue at home. So that's a recipe for success, if you ask me. At yeah. least, at the very least, if there's a silver lining, is we are in Madison versus Purdue at Minnesota, who is horrible. They call it the barn. Um, they probably call it the barn because all their women look like pigs anyway. So here we are. <laughs> That's fired. I had to, bro. They always go at Wisconsin. It's like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. Put some respect on us, man. <laughs> All right. So, you got anything else Badger related? Uh, no. Uh, I'm ready okay. to talk some Milwaukee Bucks, though. As am I. So, give me your Bucks power pair and underrated performer, and I will be right back. But give me your power pair and underrated performer. I know we have the same two power pair guys, so yeah, I will be right back. All right, so my my power pair. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about these Bucks games here. Uh, Bucks obviously are on a long long winning streak. We have a stat for that. Uh, we're gonna start a tracker for everybody at home. But the the power pair that I have is Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday. And I have a question later that Tyler does not know about, and I'm gonna put him on the spot. So so wait for that as well. Uh, Brooke Lopez is just this guy. I don't know what happened. He met Iron Man or something, but he clearly got the most successful back surgery of all time. He got vibranium in his back. I don't know what happened. The guy looks like he's in his mid twenties again, moving around. 
Um, he's the best paint protector in the league, in my opinion, if you add contested shots, block shots, his ability to play drop coverage and not allow guards to, to attack and kill us. Um, but he ever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 17 and 10 this week. He shot 50%. Um, he didn't shoot the three-pointer amazing, but he did end the week plus 22. Uh, Drew Holiday, oh, I'm running out of things to say about Drew Holiday, how, how crazy good he is. He averaged 23 points, four rebounds, six, six and a half assists. He shot 60% from the field and 45% behind the arc. He ended the week at a plus 40. Damn. God damn. That's what I'm saying. And then, That's awesome. <laughs> this guy is becoming one of my favorite players, uh, and I'm, I'm going to speak for you. I think I know. I think he's one of your favorite players already, Absolutely. or he's becoming. But Javon Carter, um, his impact goes beyond the stat sheet, and yes. this is where I think that we separate ourselves from a lot of people. When he comes into the game, he plays a completely different pace than Drew Holiday does, or even when Chris Middleton is handling the ball. True. When he comes in, he's a little bit more twitchy, a little bit more side to side. Um, on defense, I do think that everybody is great on defense on this Bucks team. That's definitely mm-hmm. their their identity. But Carter just is another another tick. He's got the dog in him. He definitely has some dog in him. Where Drew is just Drew is like a technician, right? He understands the positioning. He understands True. how to get over screens. He knows the guys that go over, go under. He understands the angles of basketball. Absolutely. And his pure strength just allows him to be just the greatest on-ball defender in the game today, in my opinion. I don't care if you call it biased. But Javon Carter is just 100 miles per hour. He is perfect for a backup point guard role. Absolutely. And I'm so happy he's on our team. And I'm so happy he had a three yesterday against Brooklyn and he was barking. And I was like, you have your moment, Javon. You have your moment. (laughs) But he averaged nine and four. He didn't shoot the ball crazy good this week. But like I said, his, his impact goes beyond. Um, the box score, but he still ended the week at a plus 18. He was plus 18 last night yeah. as well. So um, he ended the week at a plus 18. So those are my three picks. What do you got, buddy? I also have Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez. In addition to the 17 and 10, Drew uh, Brooke Lopez also averaged two blocks per game. Yeah. And you mentioned Drew Holiday's assists. Drew Holiday averaged only 1.7 turnovers over the last three games. That's crazy because he was he was pissing me off in the first quarter last night, man. I'm not gonna lie, he had two horrible passes. Yeah, to Giannis, both of them. Yeah, only 1.7 turnovers in the last three games. That's fantastic for Drew to be cutting his turnovers down. Impressive, impressive. And he's shooting the ball better. He is overall improved. He's and I don't think this is 
I don't think this is outlandish to say, but I think Drew Holiday is having his best season in a Bucks uniform. Oh, easily. Not even. I now you every time I hear that, because they talk about that all the time on the pregame and postgame. And you know, you, you hear fans talk about it all the time and like posts and stuff everywhere. I want to look up his stats and I want to compare, you know, his career highs and just make a post out of that because this honestly, you know, when you look at the totality of everything, and this is definitely the best roster he's been on. Like definitely. Oh, definitely. Not even close. Um, this is definitely the best Bucks roster we've ever seen in our lives. I would like to ask people that were old enough to watch the Bucks in the 80s, because obviously we're not old enough to do that. Right. I would love to see their opinion on if this is the best ro- Bucks roster they've ever seen in their lives. I think that could be an interesting debate. Although those 80s teams had some really good players like Terry Cummings and Sidney Moncrief, and they had a lot of really good players back then as well. But I would like to know the answer to that. But Drew Holiday, I think this is his best year of his career. Straight off the dome, I'm going to say that. I think he had a couple of years in New Orleans where he was averaging like like 21 and 8. So like right now he's around like 19 and 8. So he's yeah. really close to it. Um, but definitely his best season in a Bucks uniform and definitely worth comparing to the rest of his career as potentially one of his best career years. I agree. So my underrated performer has the same initials as yours, JC. Mm-hmm. I went with Jay Crowder, new to the team. Um, he averaged six points a game. You know, it doesn't going to blow the doors off, but that's why it's an underrated performer because the guy who only scored six points a game. However, the six points that he scored against Phoenix were massive six points. True. Part of the huge comeback by the Bucks and the late minutes of, of that game, those two threes were just seriously, just absolutely massive in that comeback. Yeah. And that place was loud when he was hitting them because I was at that game, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But I can't wait for you to have your shining moment, man. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't want to give too much away, but I did give Jay Crowder a fist bump before the game. That's why he's. <laughs> I don't want to claim credit for it, but I did give him a fist bump. So I mean, take you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, he shot sixty percent from the field, sixty-six point seven percent from the three-point line, and he had the third highest average plus-minus in the three games behind only Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I like that. I I have something to say after we get – after the Suns game, I have something to say about Jay Crowder, so remind me. Okay. All right, let's start with last Friday's game against the Miami Heat. Um, Giannis was okay to go with the wrist. He wasn't even taped up like he was for the All-Star game. Um, he had a knee-to-knee injury, and he got, like, kneed in the – like, the hamstring area. Um and had a, a left quad or sorry, right quad contusion. So people getting mad that Budenholzer was playing him when he wasn't hundred percent was different injuries, not the same injury. It's not like Giannis banged up his wrist in this game and they shouldn't have played him at all. His wrist was fine. He got hit a knee to knee contact and had a leg bruise. So completely unrelated injuries for people that live and love to complain about Mike Budenholzer. Um, but anyways, what stood out to you from last Friday's game against the heat? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, thank you for covering the Giannis news. All of his injuries have been on the right side of his body. Yep. Which is weird. <laughs> I heard them talking about that last night, and it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that, that's when I heard it. You know, was it Zora? I don't know if it was Zora or if it was Lisa. I think it was Lisa Byington that said well, it. 
yeah, she brought it up and she was just, and I was just like, sure shit. You're not lying. That's a good, good stat <laughs> here. Um, first of all, the Bucks bench. Holy shit, dude. Yes. We scored 56 points off the bench. They, I mean, the Heat scored 42 of their 99, which is not a good ratio. That means your starters were horrible. Yeah. But um, with Giannis leaving so early in the game, I, I'm not going to lie to you, and you can call me a liar if you want, but I was not worried at all. Seeing how the Bucks started this game with the ball movement, the energy level of this team, yeah. everybody was moving, everybody was cutting, everybody was talking on defense. Bobby came right in his first game since January 23rd, by the way. Um, he ended this game with his 30th double-double in 48 games. That's a high ratio for a guy coming off the bench, by the way. Basically two-thirds of his games. <laughs> that is 32 bad. out of 48 would be exactly two-thirds. Yeah, that, that's not normal, by the way, so don't take him for granted as well. Um, I brought that up because uh, Giannis answered a question last night about people taking him for granted. Um, don't take this team. Don't take Brooke Lopez. Don't take a Chris Middleton. Don't take a Drew Holiday. Don't take any of these players for granted because yeah. this is a fantastic team. And yeah. one thing I wanted to point out, fantastic coaching staff, top to bottom. Absolutely. Good call. They need they need their flowers too, man. Um, yeah. Bud is calling all the right shots, doing all the right substitutions. Um, I think they're handling the Chris Middleton injury absolutely perfectly. I don't yeah. think it could be done any better. Um I just I don't know if there's a more well-oiled machine in the NBA. Obviously, we're going to talk about this during a 15-game win streak, which is insane, right? Right. But the way that this team has handled everything up to this point, I mean, Giannis has missed what, like 11 or 12 games. Chris Middleton's missed 40 plus games. Uh, Drew Holiday's missed 10 plus games. I mean, we can go down the list of players that have missed games, but that's that's your that's your main three, right? Those three yep. people combined have, have, have missed over 70 games, and the Bucs have not missed a beat. Currently now yep. the best record in the NBA. Yep. Taking that back from the Celtics, which this year uh, this, this year is different than prior years because the Celtics are, are right there with us. I'm not going to be biased about that. Right. I do think that home court advantage will be key. It was key last yep. year in our playoff series, so I would love a game seven if it happened in Milwaukee. That would be big. Yep. Um, but – the last thing I'm going to say before I hand this off to you is this was the biggest victory of the season so far for the Milwaukee Bucks. And it happened at the hands of a pretty good Miami Heat team. So, All right. Um, you mentioned, and I want to touch on this because it ties into a couple of things that I have written down. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that when Giannis went out that you weren't worried about the game. No. And initially hearing something like that, it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's a take. But what I noticed was first, um, we got Jay Crowder and Myers Leonard's Bucks debuts, and Bobby Portis back. So, and I'm not saying that you can just make up for Giannis, but I mean you're essentially getting a three for one by Giannis leaving early, but also getting one guy back from injury and two new acquisitions out on the floor. Obviously, if you can put all three guys into one and have Giannis, I would still take that, but. You get into Grayson Allen, started two for two from the three-point line. Bobby scored an and one on his first possession. Chris Middleton scored on his first possession and got an assist on the second one. Bobby Portis, at the three-minute mark of the first quarter, had eight points and zero misses. He was balling, bro. He had a turn fade, and I was like, oh, shit, Bobby's back. Um, And then Chris Middleton, on his third offensive possession, walked into a dribble pull-up three-pointer. 
Yeah, we everybody was firing on all cylinders, dude. And then Jay Crowder hit a three for his first three-pointer that was also assisted by Chris Middleton. So we're getting closer to full-strength vintage Chris Middleton. We're getting closer. And this win streak has allowed the Bucks to bring them on or allowed them to bring him on more slowly. Mm-hmm. They're not forced to put him back in the starting lineup you know, because they need wins. They're winning while they're bringing a guy back from injury. So they have the luxury of being able to continue to start Pat Connaughton, who didn't play in this game. So that's worth mentioning, too. No Pat Connaughton in this game. And the Bucks still were able to get a big win. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this made me laugh because I think it was it was either Drew or Chris that threw the pass into the paint because Brooke Lopez had a mismatch. And the pass got tipped, and Brooke Lopez went up and tipped it back to himself, got a layup, and scored an and one. And Marcus Johnson said one of the more questionable things on the broadcast after Brooke Lopez caught the and one. And he said, size matters. Oh, come on, man. He did that shit on purpose, bro. Don't let me lie to you. He did that on purpose. I'm just I'm just sitting here watching the watching the replay and just <laughs> giggling away. Oh, oh my oh Jesus, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> um he did give credit on the next possession for AJ Green for staying vertical on Miami driving in transition. So that's good on him and good on Marcus for giving him credit for it. Mm-hmm. Um Javon Carter picked Bam's pocket, missed the layup, but Bobby Portis was there to get a tip slam. Bobby Portis just really all over the place. That was a um, sick play. Myers Leonard checked in with 737 to go in the second quarter. Um, he's He really did a lot for the Bucks in this game. Um, running the pick and roll, he's running to the rim after setting the screens. Um, he can step out and shoot. He sprung Joe Ingles for an open three. Um, and I posted this as another reel that I had shared was – Myers Leonard defending a Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, pick and roll very well by staying in that perfect spot in the middle where Jimmy Butler could try to force a pass, but it'd have to be perfect, or to shoot a contested mid-range jump shot, which is the shot that the Bucks want to give up. And he stayed in the perfect positioning for Drew Holiday to be able to get back to his man, um, and the play did result in a foul, but Myers Leonard needed the credit there for defending the pick and roll very well. Um for the fact that the Bucks have been the best defensive team since January 1st and Miami to be the second best defensive team since January 1st and the Bucks to hang 73 points on them in the first half that's we're in scary hours cuz they did that without Giannis dude i was just going to say dude we were killing them without our best player that that should scare people it should especially Celtics fans who want to whine about the power the power rankings who gives a shit about power rankings dude There, buddy. Am I frozen? Are you frozen? Are we both frozen? I'm not frozen. You're frozen. frozen. Am I frozen? Sorry. (laughs) Anyways, you said not caring about power rankings. I said I care about winning in May and June. Agree. Um, Second half, 
Drew Holiday started taking over offensively. Bobby Portis was looking great. Um, Brooke Lopez and A.J. Green hit back-to-back threes early in the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter just kind of turned into a three-point contest that the Bucks won. Um, A.J. Green's second three that he hit was like four feet behind the three-point line. So A.J. Green's just out here shooting J.J. Redick threes. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the Bucks just kind of ran away with it. Drew Holiday, 24 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Bobby Portis, 18 points and 11 rebounds. Brooke Lopez, 17 points and 7 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 17 minutes, 12 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Chris Middleton's going to give you a 26 and 6 once he's back to playing 30 minutes a game. That's, as long as it still means W's, I don't give a shit. Absolutely. <laughs> um Jay Crowder played 16 minutes. He had nine points and three rebounds. Myers Leonard played 15 minutes. He had five points and six rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Grayson Allen scored 16 points. A.J. Green had six points and four assists. I mean, the Bucks, the Celtics are a deep team, but let's quit fucking around. The Bucks are the deepest team in the NBA. Yeah, dude, we can literally throw – we're just going to be like, yeah, you know what, we're going to throw a couple rookies at you. We'll let them score 10 on you. We're really at a point where we can let a young developmental player go seek other options because he's not going to play for the team. Yeah, and he was just one of the best G League players in the in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He was just in the G League All Star game. So I mean, we're 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 doing okay. So let's go to the Bucks Suns game. I'm going to go first on this one because I was in attendance and it was really cool because my oldest daughter. Uh, she got to be part of the Delta Dental starting lineup, so she got to be in the the two lines on each side that the starters come through. So she got to high five all the starters and got to be courtside for the warm ups, which was super cool. So if you have if you have young kids, sign them up for the Delta Dental starting lineup. It was awesome. Um, like they treated us really well. We got some free food in between. Like it was it was just an awesome experience for for me, my wife, my dad, and both of my daughters. Um, to go and have that experience. So if you have kids, sign them up for the Delta Dental starting lineup. It was awesome. Um, and the Bucks are awesome for for hosting that and for having good people. Um, the guy that I was in contact with for it was great as well. So definitely thank you to the Bucks for that. Um, it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, you got a great game. Yeah, you were at a fantastic game. And, and another no Giannis game. Like obviously the Suns didn't have KD, but Bucks didn't have Giannis, so call it even. Call it even. Um, Bobby Portis four really quick points. Um, Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday were doing a good well, a good job defending Devin Booker to start this game. He started 0 for six, and had Grayson and Drew Holiday on him. So good job by those two. Um, Phoenix was kind of controlling the rebounds in the first quarter. I'm not gonna lie, they had eight offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot. That's um, Myers Leonard, like I said, giving the Bucks good minutes. He was hitting threes, uh, running the pick and roll well on both ends. And I bring this up because I'm going to talk about it in the second half. But Phoenix, their big men um, were hitting their mid range shots. And I'm bringing this up because it's an adjustment that was made in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. Bucks were four of thirteen on threes in the first quarter. Kind of a rough start. Um, but the Bucks were able to open an 11-point lead in the second quarter. Uh, Phoenix closed the gap when the Bucks' three-point shooting slowed down, um, but they were still running the pick and roll very well. Something that I think is underrated part of their games, and I'm going to talk about it more when we get into last night's game too. But Brook Lopez started 0 for 3 from the three-point line, but then he caught one just inside the three-point line 
and he took a, a dribble and two steps back and hit a three, and he just let out a yell. Like, he knew he had to get one to go in, and he got it, and it was good for him. Second half, these are the adjustments that I'm talking about. And this is where if you want to if you want to call Budenholzer a bad coach, you, you're welcome to do so, but the fact of the matter is it's just false. It's literally just false. And to your credit, you brought up one of the biggest adjustments that was made when the Bucks won the finals from the first two games to the next four was defending the Suns' three-quarter court and full court. That's an adjustment that they made, and credit to you for, for calling that out. The adjustments they made in this game were limiting offensive rebounds and dropping in the pick and rolls instead of higher shows. Mm-hmm. So they were intentionally giving up those floaters to Chris Paul or forcing guys to either take some mid-range or try to force them out of passes instead of giving the big men open looks in the paint. They would have killed us if we didn't adjust. So they made those two adjustments. Drew Holiday started catching fire, um, hit Grayson Allen for an alley-oop, which was awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, see Grayson Allen get up some pretty questionable whistles late in the third quarter, like Joe Ingles getting a foul call for literally just like tapping Chris Paul and for that to be called a push. Like really? I hear you. <laughs> it is what it is. It was a one point game after the third quarter. Suns took a 76, 75 lead. Drew Holiday was keeping the bucks in the game while the Suns' lead was kind of fluctuating between four and six points. But 5.47 to go in the game. Phoenix is leading 94-86. to 86. Like, it's getting to do-or-die time. Um, the Bucks outscored the Suns 11-2 to two to get the lead back. That's where two of those Jay Crowder threes happened. It was absolutely massive threes by Jay Crowder. Um, Brooke Lopez had two big blocks. One of them on Devin Booker, one of them on DeAndre Ayton. And Holiday broke Josh Okogie's ankles to hit a three. That was a sweet play. Like, the, dude, the stadium when that happened was just nuts. <laughs> like, just the, oh! Like, hearing 18,000 people all do that at the same time was awesome. <laughs> um, Phoenix went three and a half minutes without a field goal until Booker tied the game at 11. Or at 100. Yeah. So that was a crazy shot he had to make, too. That was a tough shot. And yeah, credit to him. That was a tough shot. Yeah. Really good defense, um, but good offense beats good defense. Yes, true. True, true. Um, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez ran a pick and roll, perfect pick and roll. Chris Middleton with a pass to Brooke Lopez for a layup that gave the Bucks a 102 100 lead. The Bucks finished this game on. A 19 to 7 run. Oh, wow. So they had that 11 to 2 run to get the lead back, 19 to 7 to close it out. I don't want to undersell the pass because it was a very good pass, perfect pass. Yeah. Middleton rose up like he was going to shoot it, which yep. hey, we've, we've seen him make that a million times, right? Right. But for him to pass that and for Brooke Lopez to have the soft hands to one, catch it. Yep. In traffic and to make that layup yep. with a guy like Aiton. And Aiton's not like fantastic, but he's also not a bum. Yeah, he's still big. He's, he's still he's still big. He was still a number one pick and he's still a good player. Yep. But for Brooke Lopez at 35 with his vibranium back to make that, <laughs> just I was like, oh my God. Like I like when you saw the replay and they showed a replay on TV, 
and it was like the top of the backboard shot that they always mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And you saw how little space he had to catch it and make it. And I was like, well, damn, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> Just a great roll. Um, good, good on him. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, what stood out to you for this game? I won't. I won't do all the the totals. But uh, what stood out to you from the game? I'll wait until you you talk to give those out. All right. Well, you covered the main stuff, so I'm just gonna add my little little tidbits here. One, the Bucks are now five and zero when Brook Lopez has at least twenty and ten. So let me give you this one. Just while we're on the subject, the Bucks are now six and zero when Drew Holiday scores thirty points. Yep, I was gonna say Tyler's gonna have the stat for Drew Holiday. So <laughs> literally. I've, I put, like, dashes, and then I put, like, a little side dash underneath, and I was like, Tyler's going to have a sad about your holiday because I know you covered that before. <laughs> so then I want to talk about something that they talked about in the pregame show last night, and uh, I'm glad you brought up Marcus uh, Johnson uh, before because he calls it the Mensa lineup. Yeah, yeah, he was talking about that last night. Yes, he was talking about it. And, it, that, and for anybody that wants to know, that's Brooke, Drew, Bobby, Chris, and Joe Ingles. And they played a total of 15 minutes between the Suns and Heat game to end the games. Uh, here's the stats that they showed on the television, right? This is credit to Bally Sports Wisconsin for coming yeah. up with this. Offensive rating, 106.5. Defensive yeah. rating, 84.4. That's that is like, clamps, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. absolute clamps. Yes. For oh, reference, like Giannis, Giannis is like one of the best in the NBA at defensive rating. He's at like 107. For a team to have an 84 defensive rating, that's absurd. That is absurd. People were complaining that Bobby Portis wasn't involved in that, but you can't argue with the results. You can't. 84, bro. 84 points per 100% per 100 possessions. That's what that means. I know. Oh. 84. <laughs> so then you take the opponent efficient efficient field goal percentage, 42%. <laughs> the net rating is a plus 22 in that'll, 15 minutes. That'll do. That'll do. Okay, that'll do. So just wanted to add that in there. Um, I think Brooke Lopez, um, I don't think he gets enough love. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, Brooke, Brooke Lopez is fucking amazing, dude. The guy can literally drop 30 on you and still block five shots. I mean, it's, it's impressive. He can go out there. He can have a, a 10 to 15 rebound game. If you, if he really wanted to, I mean, all he had 13 against the Suns. Yeah. All those people. Yeah, I know he did all those people complaining about his, his lack of rebounding. They don't understand that the, that's part of the game plan is mm-hmm. he just boxes people out like, mm-hmm. hey, big guy, you go over there. I'm going to let this guy who can do a fast break by himself grab it and go in three dribbles. And like, dunk on your team. And dunk on your team like he did a bazillion times last night. Dude, I was like, <laughs> so Giannis just wanted to make up for all the dunks he missed in the last two games <laughs> in one game. But we're going to get there in a sec. I just wanted to give a big shout-out to Brooke Lopez because that guy is phenomenal. Um. He is going to be in my question. I'm going to ask later. So okay. Um, he, but yeah, let's go to let's go to Bucks Nets, buddy. Whenever you're ready. Hold on, I'm going to I'm going to drop the drop the totals, and I want to touch on one more thing. Okay. Um, to your point about Brook Lopez, he does give the Bucks a big four at times. It really feels that way. He does. Um, so I gave you the Drew Holiday stat. He had 33 points, five assists, and four rebounds. 
Brooke Lopez had the 22 points, 13 rebounds, and four blocks. Chris Middleton, four assists away from a triple-double. 11 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists. Bobby Portis at 10 and 6. I don't know how often this has happened and like the amount of box scores I'd have to sift through to possibly even find it. But the Bucks had a 33, a 22, and an 11 score. They had three double double number scorers. That's kind of weird, kind of cool. I kind of like It's it. just a super weird thing that I noticed I looking like at the box score after the game. I'm like, "Oh, they had a 32 or 33, 22, and 11." Three doubles. Huh. I kind of like it. <laughs> now, if they had Giannis, they'd have a 44. <laughs> oh, dude. If they do that, like, just, it's, yeah, just call it. <laughs> just call it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would mean, assuming that it's, say, say Giannis scores 44, Chris scores 33, and Drew scores 22. I mean, that's 99 points from three guys. Think about it. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely possible. That's not <laughs> And 110 from the, if you add the 11 point score in it. That's possible. I can see it. <laughs> Do you imagine those four give the Bucks 110 and then throw Bobby Portis' double-double, 10 points from Grayson Allen, 8 points from Connaughton, 8 points from Crowder, 8 points from Carter, 6 points from Ingles, 6 points from A.J. Green, and a Wesley Matthews quarter buzzer beater three on top uh-huh. of all that? Yeah, man, I'm mad you brought up West because I was going to bring him up. I was going to be like, dude, we don't even have one of our best defensive players in West, man. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to say with Bucks and Suns is it was a weird day for free throws. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because it was a noon tip, and that's kind of a weird time to, to have a game. Um, but Brooke Lopez, who's like an 84% career free throw shooter, missed two free throws. Um, Chris Paul and Chris Middleton each missed a free throw. Um, Chris Middleton's only missed four free throws the entire season up until this game. Devin Booker is a great shooter. He was five for nine from the free throw line in this game. Late in the game, when he missed those free throws late in the game, I was like, whoa. I was shook, bro. I'm not it was a weird that. game for free throws. I agree. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. All right, let's get into Bucks Nuts. Last night's game. What stood out to you? Oh, God. That – the game last night was weird, in my opinion. Um, so the first thing I'm going to point out is I love that Drew Holiday started this game early looking for teammates. He was trying to be a mm. facilitator starting early. Um, by the 7.50 mark in the first quarter, all five starters scored. Nice. I love that. Nice. Um I'm going to point out – there's a couple things I'm going to point out here. I have a little list here. Um, Chris had a and one. Immediately the next possession, he comes down and has a disgusting left-handed bounce pass yeah. with Bobby Portis for an and one. I got off the couch and I was like, let's fucking go! That was, that was so oh, so dirty for him to throw that pass when the dude has his back turned and it just goes right under his hand. And Bobby oh. kind of guarded, dude. That was a nasty pass. Yeah. Um, the Bucks took back the lead at 85-84, and that was that was in the in the third. Yep. That was their first lead since the game was five to four. The Nets really controlled the game. They were Mikhail Bridges. I mean. I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar, but the guy definitely has present potential to be like a really good number two. He's I, I love Mikael Bridges. Love Mikael Bridges. Cam um, Johnson's a good player as well. Yeah, he's huge. Player. 
Yeah, he's if he was a little bit more if he had dog in him, like because he doesn't have dog, he he's a soft big guy. Yeah, he's like, he's like a modern big where he just stays on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. If he had more dog in him, he would fucking kill, dude. He'd be yeah, he'd be a problem. Because if he if he beefs up a little and applies himself on defense, like it'll be a problem. Because he actually has a nice handle for getting to the rim. Yeah, and, and he was cashing threes. Very good touch. Yes, um, he could turn into a very good player. I, the Nets in a couple of years could be winners of that trade, depending sure. on how their draft picks go out. Right. Well, and it's and if you know, I mean, if Phoenix wins a title, like obviously they're not going to be mad about it. True. But uh, real quick on your on your Mikael Bridges point. Like Mikael Bridges, honestly, probably for both of us, probably in our top three favorite players, not on the Bucks. Off the top of my head, I'm gonna say yes. I you know, since since he's been traded, I've seen him in more of like NBA like reels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And his personality, he just seems like a he just seems like a guy. He seems like yeah. a normal dude and and I'm okay with that. And I love that video where he said his favorite player growing up was Kevin Durant. I was like of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, he was second defensive player of the year last year too. So like yeah. he's he's a good two way player. Um, that was a good get for the Nets for sure. Um, the other guy we didn't mention in the first game this week, like I would say, is probably at the top of the list for both of us too, is Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I love Bam. Bam is a freaking stud. He's really really improved his mid range game. Yeah, which has opened up everything for him. Um, he actually is a very underrated ball handler, especially for a center. He's sure. more of a power forward, but he plays center, and it works out well for Miami. Yep. Um, especially now that they got Kevin Love, that's going to be a good marriage, I think. Sure. I think Ke- I think Kevin Love fits in really well next to Bam at a bio. Bam can be a really good playmaker at the center position, but he also is more um, hunting for his own shot, which has turned mm-hmm. him into a star. Um, we know about his ability on defense. We know he's a he can jump with the best of them. He can block shots yep. and rebound. He's a really, really good player too. Uh, Miami's going to have to pay him a ton of money if they haven't already. I don't know what his contract yeah. looks like, but I would take Bam Adebayo over DeAndre Ayton in a heartbeat. Oh, dude, that's not even up for debate. <laughs> not even up for debate. I feel like Ayton is in the same class that I just said that Johnson is. Where like Ayton could be such a problem for the league. Sure. He just <sighs> there's not a lot of PJ Tuckers out there, right? Like, right. PJ Tucker. No, I did not use the pizza oven. That's for a Packer episode. But P.J. Tucker is not the most talented player in the NBA. No. By far, he's not even in the top 100 most talented players in the NBA. And I'm not trying to disrespect him. But you know what that motherfucker has? He has heart. He has one of these things sticking. So he takes pride in everything that he does. Every switch, every rebound, every shot. This He's hundred percent. There's there's no there's no foot off the gas with Peter Tucker. That's where the debate and this conversation is going a whole different direction. But I have a point. We're, we're just proving we're not homers right now. That's what we're doing. That's the difference between Giannis and Anthony Davis. True. Anthony Davis talent level True. might be unmatched. I'm not even like not even kidding. Especially when you good. factor in the size. Yeah, his length, his his ball handling. I understand Shooting. why people say that he's better than Giannis. But I'm telling you, the thing that they don't measure on the stat sheet is this thing right here. And yeah. Giannis talks all the time. He's going to give you everything he has. And physically, if he is able to put his shoes on and dribble a basketball, you can cancel that guy in for 20 and 10. 
every single night. Doesn't matter if it's a playoff game. Doesn't matter if it's the first game of the year. Game seven in the finals, you're going to get everything that he has. I don't feel like DeAndre Ayton has that. And I do feel that Bam Adebayo does. That's fair. And that's where the difference is for me with them. Mikel Bridges is the same way. He's played like he's played like almost 400 consecutive games. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's awesome. unheard of. That's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, you know when we talk we talk about you know players sitting out games and all that shit because of because yep. of rings has become such a big discussion. But yeah, man, Bam out of bio is a monster. He's definitely in my top three. I don't have to think about that. I love Bam yeah. out of bio. So that was my question. Is probably up there for me. Who else? I'll write it down. I'll write it down. Next time we we don't have a lot of games to cover, we can talk about it. And you know, I get a little biased for the Wisconsin people, not Tyler Hero because he's a douchebag. Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton is definitely in my top three. I love that he's like he's so close to he like he grew up so close to where I live right now. You know, like Oshkosh, like you know, growing up in Wisconsin, you hear about Oshkosh, like, oh Sloshkosh and Oshkosh Bagosh, and and then we have an NBA player that's like, what is he third in assist yet? Uh, he's, he's up there. He's top three for sure. I know he was leading the league for a long time. So, um, it's just a shout out to the Wisconsin. Wisconsin's starting to put some talent in in NFL and NBA. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yep. All right. What else to do you from the Nets game? Um, Drew caught fire in the third. He was dominating. Had eight points. Yeah. Um, he was killing in the paint, getting whatever damn shot he wanted. Um, oh, so left, bro. Shout out to he got his left like four times. And he made them all. Um, this was Giannis's 31st 30-point game of the year. Yep. Um, both teams had a 15-point lead at one point in this game. Mm. And, uh, yeah, then then I just have that. We, we, we out-rebounded them. We kicked their ass in the rebounds. We both had a ton of turnovers. Uh, I just wanted to point one last thing up before I give the floor to you. The Brooklyn Nets started this game 6 of 10 behind the three-point line. Mm-hmm. They ended 12 of 36. <laughs> Not good. Imagine starting sixty uh, percent and finishing thirty-three. Not good. Um, but the Bucks turned up the defense in the second half. Let's just be yes, they did. Glad the you brought that up. The defense was a little lackadaisical going the first. Yep. Um, I was looking at it. I was actually texting my dad. My dad was throwing beanbags, and me and my dad were talking. And I was like, "They got to turn up the defense, man. Uh, wait for that second half. Wait for Drew Holiday to be like, all right, that's enough fucking around. Um, we're gonna flip the switch, and they did, and." Giannis and Drew took over the third quarter, in my opinion. Definitely. So we got Giannis back, obviously. Pat Connaughton back in the starting lineup. He hit a three on the first possession. Just just a trend continuing of guys just coming in <laughs> and just immediately scoring. Yeah. Um, in the 44, 33, 22, 11, we didn't even mention Pat Connaughton scoring points. Or maybe I did. I think you did. I think you said okay. six from Pat. <laughs> I'd, I'd be remiss if I left Pat Connaughton out because got to have him up. So Bucks hit a three on their first possession and then got three straight layups. Then there was a possession where they got um, – it was a, a tipped pass, and Drew Holiday took off in transition, but the Nets got the ball back. So the Bucks were in kind of a scramble drill situation, and everybody was scrambling to recover on defense, and they forced a shot clock violation. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic defense. To be in a scramble drill mode, be able to recover strong enough, and then to force a shot clock violation out of it. That's what that's what makes you the number one defensive rating team since January first. 
Yeah, bro. Our defense is borderline suffocating. Just say that. And then they added Jay Crowder. Dude, now we're going to get stopped, and you're going to hear about it. So good luck. <laughs> so good luck. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, Bucks got a little bit careless with the ball, and that's what allowed the Nets to build their 15-point lead. Um, Chris Middleton got an and one, and then, like Jake said, the lefty passed to Bobby Portis for an and one. Giannis got a dunk before the end of the first quarter, gave the Bucks a little bit of momentum. Another dunk that cut the lead to single digits, and then Jay Crowder threw him an alley-oop that cut the lead to six. That was nasty. Like Giannis was just nasty. owned the second quarter. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, Javon Carter started heating up. He was three for three of his first three shots. Uh, Giannis hit a three, cut the lead to five. Um, we're talking about Brooke Lopez being underappreciated. And I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to bring up we on this show haven't talked about how efficient the Drew Holiday Brooke Lopez pick and roll has been. Like I know you've yeah. mentioned it at times yeah. to your point. Yeah. But I don't think we've brought it up often enough. No, dude. It's it's gotten to a point where it's nearly as efficient as Chris and Giannis running pick oh, and rolls. hundred percent, dude. Brooke is this year, he's so much better at finishing in the paint. And I, lo- I love that that Bud is allowing him to go into the paint more, kind of yep. turning back the clock a little bit. Yep. And Drew has been passing a lot better this year. Yep. His passing has been pinpoint at times. And here's the thing. There is no spot on the floor that Brooke Lopez can't score from. True that. Same thing with, same thing with Drew. That makes it dangerous. True. Um, so that pick and roll working great. Nets pushed their lead back out to 11. Um, then the Bucks went on a 6-0 run to cut it to five. Then Brooklyn went on a 5-0 run to push it back to 10. This game was just the epitome of, of basketball being a game of runs. hundred percent. I knew you were going to bring it up. That's why I was saying. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up. Um, first half free throws, Brooklyn 12 or 14 of 16, Milwaukee two of six. Um, and 12 turnovers by the Bucks in the first half. For contrast, yeah. they only had 12 total against Miami on Friday. And they only had they only had 12 against the Suns, too. So 12 per game the first two games, and then they had 12 in the first half last night. Yeah. Um, getting to the second half, second possession, how did Giannis dunk that ball? Like it know. was with his left hand, and he was like in the chest of somebody, and then he dunked the ball. That was Nick Claxton's little ass bird chest that he tried to push out on, <laughs> on Brooke. I was like, bro, put your little baby nipples away, dude. Tiny ass. For Giannis to dunk on it, like I just, and I've said this before, like Giannis has a game, like once a game where he's like, how did he dunk that? <laughs> bro. Where like it's like something where it's like it should be a layup, and then he just turns it into a dunk, and it's like, uh, okay. Tell All me, right. Giannis, Giannis last night was a fucking highlight reel, bro. Dude, he was letting people know he was feeling himself in the third quarter. Dude was in his bag. Bucks went on a nine to two run in two minutes in the third yeah. quarter, and Giannis scored seven of those points. 
<laughs> the, the run got to as many as 12 to 2 after that. Giannis had seven. Brooke Lopez had the other five, and the game was tied at 64. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to give Grayson Allen credit because, in the midst of all this Giannis dominance, he had a drive to the basket, stopped in the middle of the lane on a dime, pump faked, and got Nick Claxton in the air, and then finished with his left hand in the restricted circle. Yeah, that was a nice move, bro. So I want to give Grayson Allen some love. That was a nice move. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to Giannis. <laughs> um, that didn't take long. <laughs> it, it didn't. Um, the Nets, after the tie, went on a 12-2 run. Drew Holiday ended the run, and then we got Dirk Antetokounmpo. Yeah, that was a far fade. He had, like his foot was on the circle that's above the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And he did that twice. We got double Dirk Atenacupo shots. That's cool. Um, the lead was cut to five, and then Giannis got his fourth foul at the 504 mark of the third quarter. So it's like, oh shit, this guy's been carrying, and now he's got four fouls with 17 minutes to go in the game. Mm-hmm. After that, that's where, like you said, Drew Holiday turned up the heat. The defense turned up. Um, Joe Ingles hit a three off of a turnover, cut the lead to one point. Um, Bobby Porter, yeah, Bobby Portis um, hit a three right after Joe Ingles. Um, I don't remember who it was that drove to the basket, but Joe Ingles, perfectly vertical. Guy drove into him. Uh, it might have been, it might have been Cam Johnson. Was it maybe Cam Johnson that drove into Joe Ingles? Well, he was perfectly vertical yeah. and missed the layup. And Bobby Portis hit a three coming down in transition. That gave the Bucs that 85 to 84 lead that you were referencing. Mm-hmm. The Bucs went on an 18 to 4 run to close the third quarter. That's what championship teams do. Bro. To go, to come out of halftime, go on a 12 2 run, and then close the quarter on an 18 to 4 run. The Bucs outscored the Nets 39 to 23 in the third quarter. I'm going to sound redundant, but that is what championship teams do, 100%. <laughs> um, we got the second Dirk Atenecumbo shot to start the fourth quarter. Bucks scored on their first three possessions in the third quarter, four of their first five possessions to start the fourth quarter to give them a 10-point lead. Um, Grayson Allen picking pockets, hitting threes. That pushed the lead to 15. The lead never got back to single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis, 33 points. He only had four in the first quarter. I know. 29 in three quarters. Yeah. In 28 minutes. And he only scored six in the in the fourth quarter, by the way. <laughs> so, really, the second and third quarter, he was kicking everybody's ass. Yeah. I think his dunk in the second quarter where he came down and he got to the right hand and he threw yeah. that son of a bitch down with so much thunder, I think that was my favorite dunk of the night. That was the one right before the lob from Jay yep. Carter. Yep. He threw that down. I saw the runway open. I said, oh, shit. Because <laughs> you know what's going to happen, dude. Dude, he's gigantic and he's fast. You're not getting in the way. Yeah. You know, like, you, that's where you make a business decision. And or you end up on a highlight reel. They made the correct one. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're giving him a free throw, too. Yeah, you don't want to do that. The, the hoop and the harm, that's bad news. <laughs> also 15 rebounds and four assists. Um, he's good. He's, yeah, Giannis is good. In other news, 
Uh, sky is blue, and winter in Wisconsin sucks. He, he, the only reason he wasn't in our power pair is because he had to miss two of the three games. <laughs> so stupid. We should have put him in the power pair. Giannis averaged 33 points, 15 rebounds, and four assists this week in games that he finished. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be like ESPN and just make our own yeah. stats. Give you a teeny tiny sample size. <laughs> um, Chris Middleton, 18 points, six assists, four rebounds, two steals. Drew Holiday, 14 points and 8 assists. Brooke Lopez, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks. Um, Monster. Bench points. Milwaukee, 46. Brooklyn, 14. Yeah. Our bench is good. Our bench is really deep now. Telling you, deepest team in the league. I And I agree with you. Um, Bucks turned the ball over 12 times in the first half, like I mentioned, only five times in the second half. So that's much better. Yep. Uh, they held Brooklyn to only 42 second half points, 23 in the third, 19 in the fourth. I like that. They definitely turned up the defense. Yes, they did. Uh, you brought up the three point shooting, the rebounding 55 to 38 on rebounds. That's, that's how you win games, controlling aspects of a game like that. The Bucks had 32 assists. They are now 32 and four on the season in games where they have 23 or more assists, and they've done that in five of their last six games. Good God, Bucks! Yeah, Bucks are sharing the ball well, distributing well, moving the ball. It's great stuff. Now, the Bucks and went and winning. Yeah, that's that is helpful. Winning is helpful, winning. especially if you're yes. looking at wins and losses. Wins are helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Winning helps. <laughs> uh, speaking of winning, Bucks were 10-0 and 0 in the month of February. That is only their fourth undefeated month in franchise history. Ah, I was wondering because they talked about it. They talked about it last night. I was wondering. Oh, boy. Good find. All right. So looking at what's next, they play tonight against Orlando. This annoys the shit out of me that they have a back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. Then they're off until Saturday, and they play Sunday. And there's air travel in between both of the back-to-backs. They fly from New from New York to Milwaukee, and then on Saturday they play home against Philly, and then they're at Orlando on Sunday. But they're so off they, Thursday and Friday. So they they play Orlando on both the back-to-backs. Yes, they, they play, do. They play Orlando yep, Orlando is the second of both the back-to-backs. Oh no, sorry, Washington. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, they're at yeah, Orlando on right. Tuesday. They're at Washington on Sunday. Okay. Well, I mean, at least we got bad teams in the second night of the backpacks. I guess. And for the injury report tonight, the only one listed is Wesley Matthews. Everybody else is off the injury report. So we might get to see um, maybe Chris in the starting lineup. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Good segue to my, my question. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. It's just, you got, it's, it's a pick one or the other. You can't pick both. All right. Now, I was looking at it, and we have to re-sign Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton after the year. If you have to pick one, who are you picking? This is kind of a cop-out, but I'd want to know who else is available at those positions. That's that's fair. That's understandable. Um, If we could, say, sign Chris Middleton and Mo Bamba, like I, I would be sad, 
but like I could handle losing Brooke if we got Mo Bamba because he's uh, similar in play style and positional availability. I'm not sure who's available at small forward. Let's just say I know a guy that's really comparable to Chris Middleton. Um, not quite as good at certain things in my opinion, but let's say Brandon Ingram. Let's say the Bucks were able to pry Brandon Ingram away from New Orleans and keep Brooke Lopez. I'd be okay with that too. And in both situations, the Bucks get younger. But if it's strictly one or the other, I don't know. I think I'd pick Chris just because he's three years younger. And I think that keeps the title window open just a little bit longer. That's fair. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, Brooke, I'm not hating on Chris, but here's my reasoning. I said, Brooke, because of him and Giannis having such good, you know, you know, connection down low and understanding mm. where each other is on defense. Um, also, I think that Giannis is at the point of his career where he could have another star want to play with him in Milwaukee. So not saying anything bad about Chris. Don't take it that way, people. But I would sign Brooke. He's going to sign a one- or two-year deal. We All can right. sign another superstar next to Giannis. After Brooke is off the books, we're going to have more money anyways. Right. Also, Drew Holiday's contract will be running out You know, in the next couple of years when Brooks runs out, so we'll have a ton of money. We'll re-sign Giannis, have another superstar sign, and then we can just have more money to play with. So that was my kind of opinion. And, and I get that. I, I totally get that that train of thought. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's two right answers and no wrong answers. Agreed. Agreed. There, I, there's no wrong like answer. Right. And for me, like I said, I would want to look at who else is available in free agency. Like if Jimmy Butler is going to be a free agent and he's going to want the same money as Chris Middleton and we can do Jimmy Butler and Brooke Lopez, like sign me up. Obviously, John Horse is going to try to get both of them. And I think both of them right. will stay in Milwaukee. I do too. Um, but I just want I just wanted to, to hear. Um, I would also like other people's opinions. So when, when you hear this back or if you're hearing this now, uh, give us your answers. Uh, I would love to know what people's train of thought. Brittany said Lopez. Brittany said Lopez. A blocker. She's new to basketball, so I, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. <laughs> Monster blocker. I'm going to allow it. Okay. Now here's my question for you, and I have reasoning why I'm asking this question. Okay, I'm ready. Why do you think A.J. Green is playing more minutes than Marjan Bochamp? I think that he's more NBA ready. Like, I think it's the same situation that we had with the Packers. And this is what I'm going to use, you know, early on in the season. And yes, injuries were a factor, Mm -hmm. but I think that Romeo Dubs came into the NFL and he was more polished as a route runner and he used his hands to catch and he has the lower ceiling. Like we know that his ceiling is still high. Not saying that he can't turn into a good player, just like AJ Green can turn into a really good player, but at best, Romeo Dobbs isn't going to be a number one. He could turn into a really good number two. He, sure. could, he, could, he could turn into a fantastic number three. But I think that Christian Watson can turn into a fantastic number one, a tool that you can use at all levels of the field. And that's how I feel about Marjan Bochamp. I feel like he has the ability to turn into a three-level scorer. He has the ability to be a playmaker, a shooter, and also a tenacious defender. Where A.J. Green's going to be – an above average defender at best and a really, really good shooter, really good shooter. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it. You, you fleshed out what I'm thinking in a really good way. And I like the I like the parallel with the Packers wide receivers that you brought up. Cause I think that's a good way to, to potentially explain your thoughts on the subject mm-hmm. for me. 
I said that I think AJ is playing more and checking in earlier because I think his role is more defined. Yeah. AJ's role when he comes in is you come in and you hunt your shot. Yeah. And I think, in my opinion, I think the Bucks have massive plans for Marjan. Mm-hmm. I think they they want him to be that, you know, that potentially, let's say the Bucks do lose Chris Middleton in free agency after next year. So going into the 2024-2025 season, that Marjan is entering his third season and they're ready for him to have a massive role, potentially a starting role. I think, like yeah. you said, you articulated it very well that they have potentially an all-around role of him doing everything well. I agree. So I think they're working on his development with that and trying to have him learn all of these things while AJ's role is already defined. You come in, you shoot. That's it. Mm-hmm. And everything else you get from him is bonus. Um where I think they have they have much larger plans for Marjan, and that's why they're bringing him on a little more slowly. And, you know, to our credit, we both gave credit to A.J. Green. Oh, Tyler disconnected. Um, we both gave credit to A.J. Green, where we talked about him playing good defense at, mm-hmm. at times last, over the last couple of weeks. He's like Connor Asijin. Yeah, we, we both pointed it out. Yeah, he, he can, like I said, he could turn into a, an above-average defender, in my opinion. He's got the size. He has to work on his his lateral quickness, in my opinion. No, I'm not. I agree. Try, I'm not. We're not going to turn into a show where we just bash all our players. But if he works on his lateral quickness and, like you said, his uses his size to his advantage, <laughs> you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, who says he doesn't turn into like a Hito Turkulu? I'm not saying he's going to be a, a playmaker. I'm with that. Turkulu, but that's Turkulu yeah. was a really good shooter. He could give you buckets from the post. <laughs> And he was an above-average defender, in my opinion. And he was a little bit big for a forward? A little bit big. I'm with that. That was just – I'm like, Hidu could be a good comparison. If he turns into Hidu Turkaloo, bro, for the second round, shit. Dude, he wasn't even drafted. He was undrafted. Oh, yeah, true that. He was he was, he was signed, like, immediately after the draft, so I think they kind of had an eye on him with that 60th pick, but no, he was you're undrafted. Right, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, think about that, man. Shit. Yeah. In my opinion, he adds, and this is another, and this is opportunity. We're not saying that these are holes in his games that, like, are the reasons that he's not, you know, part of the rotation already, but these are opportunities for him to grow. These are the areas that we see for him where if he develops, he could grow into this really good player. Um, he's had some good passing games. I just yeah. mentioned he had four assists in the Phoenix game. And the culture that these young guys are in right now with this team, the Milwaukee Bucks might have the best culture in the league. Um, mm. The Celtics are very good because they're a very tight-knit group, and they've been yes. together for a long time. Lots they're of they're a basketball history culture. Yeah. Well, and, and even their current team, they've been to a lot of damn playoff games together, just like the Bucks. Bucks and Brad Stevens a deserves a lot of credit for that. He does. He does. Um so, I mean, those young guys coming up in that culture, um, understanding what it takes to win, and I'll say it again, the best leader in sports, leading your team, and understanding day in and day out what he gives. And we talked about it before the season, Marjan's locker, where it is, right yeah. between Drew Holiday yeah. and Giannis, it don't get much better than that. I don't care. It doesn't get much better than that. You're seeing every angle of everything, the dad jokes, the 50-point games, the in-first, out-last attitude, 
elite defenders, scorers. You're seeing it all. So they're being put in a position to win. It's on them now to take that advantage. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. That's all valid. And starting tonight, they play Orlando. Uh, looking for win number 16. They play Philadelphia at Saturday at home. Then they have two road games at Washington, at Orlando. The Bucks are they're pretty healthy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a four and all week. Philadelphia doesn't they don't scare me. That's the only game that I think is even like outside of guys missing games or just like a terrible, you know, complete meltdown of a game. Mm-hmm. That I think is the only game that's even really questionable. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, Philadelphia doesn't scare me, especially at home. Philadelphia doesn't scare me either. So you're gonna make me go to my uh card here. The Milwaukee Bucks have won 15 straight games. With a win tonight versus the Orlando Magic, they would tie for the third longest win streak in franchise history. Now, for people at home, the longest win streak in Bucks history is 20 games. They're going to have a 4-0 week this week because I 100% agree with Tyler. None of these games scare me, okay? The Magic are young. The Sixers are overrated. Blah, blah, blah. We're going 4-0. James Harden's still a giant baby with a big beard for some reason. Um, I mean, Embiid's rubbing off on him, who's also a giant baby with a beard. I, God, I wish Embiid would just get the fuck out of Philadelphia so I could cheer for him. Because I actually like his game. Not going to lie to you. He's he's fun to watch sometimes. I recognize his ability. He's got MVP ability. Mm -hmm. What he does is he chooses to not use it in the ways that are best effective for him. He wants to play on the perimeter. Yeah, that's get uh, your big, strong ass in the paint and dominate people. It's okay to use the three pointer to pull them out. That's yeah. okay. Everybody knows you can shoot that, Joel. Go down low and dog these little dudes, man. Dude, the fact that he will shoot 15 shots a game and like 10 of them will be jump shots is wrong. It is. That's backwards. I yes. Agree. He should, like I just said, he should be using that to pull defenders away when they start packing the paint. Yep. Giannis is literally giving you 50-point games without a jump shot, bro. There's no excuse for Embiid <laughs> to not give 50s. There's no excuse. Especially for a dude that gets as many free throws as he does. He could lead the league in scoring every year if he wanted to. Joel, seriously. He could. I agree. He could every year. And he just chooses to take dumb shots. I don't know if it's the system. I don't want to blame it all on James Harden, but – you know, James Harden is only effective in the pick and roll now. He occasionally he, he he's not ISO anymore. He can't ISO anymore. He right. he, he he lost quickness with that yep. injury that he had his last year. Yep. Um, right before he went over to Brooklyn, yep. you know, when he was when he was with with Houston, he lost some quickness. So yep. you could tell that, and now he's only effective in the pick and roll. And, and he's not getting ten thousand free throws a game by flailing on threes. True, but. The reason he was getting those threes, though, is because of he had that quick first step, man. Right. I, I want people to acknowledge that. But That's an explosion. Yeah, he he lost that, and part of the reason that his pick and roll is so effective is because Joel Embiid is the player that he is. But yep. you know, we we got two people that own Joel Embiid on one roster, so you're pretty much screwed. True. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Four and zero week for me as well. I'm excited. Let's get it. Four and zero or two and zero. We need it. Need it. Need it. Definitely need that 2-0. and all. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you want to discuss? Uh, 
No, I'm good to go. I'm ready. All right. Just want to give one more shout out to Brian from Open Locker for joining me today for a for a short interview to talk about the Maddie Baddies thing. Um, NIL sponsorship for a handful of Badgers basketball players. You can go get autograph cards for twenty nine bucks. That's super cheap, and there's a bunch of perks that go with it. And if the Badgers win the Big Ten tournament, you get your money back. Let's get it. Let's get everybody's money back. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's get Come everybody's on, money back. The quest for madness continues tomorrow. Um, let's get nuts. Let's get some wins for the Badgers. And I will see you next Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and commenting along. We'll be back next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Go Bucks. Go Badgers. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.